PR, it's not just a catchphrase. It's a passion, and it's a career. But sometimes, it can be a headache. So sit back and recover with this PR Hangover, a podcast of Grand Valley State University's chapter of PRSSA. I'm your host, Brady Mills, and this is probably the only hangover you'll ever look forward to. Welcome, welcome, welcome to PR Hangover. It's Brady again. Uh, I'm really excited about this episode. I interviewed Juan Fernandez, and we'll get into it, but he is the VP of Marketing and Communications for Bethany Christian Services, which is a huge national and international nonprofit based out of Grand Rapids. And he does a lot of different work in the nonprofit sector. He's he's been a lot of places, and there's there's just a lot of good nuggets in here of of different advice, but also experiences that that Juan has had as he's traveled around and, and done different things and spoken to different people and and catered to different audiences. And he 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 has so many good things to say when it comes to in house versus agency life, nonprofit versus for profit. And I'm, I'm really excited. So sit back and relax or continue working out or cooking or driving or whatever you may be doing. But really just take in, take in what Juan has to say. There, there's some really helpful things in here and I think you'll enjoy. Hey everyone, today we have Juan Fernandez on the podcast. Um, Juan is the VP of Marketing and Communications at Bethany Christian Services. Uh, and he's going he's gonna to talk about what it's like to, to do communications in the nonprofit world a little bit. And also just speak to the in-house side of things versus the agency side of things and covering how we speak to different communities. So that's what Juan's here for. Juan, welcome so much. Thanks for being on the show. Hey, man, it's good to uh, get to chat. And yeah, I'm, I'm always happy to talk about communications, marketing, uh, anything that that uh, will encourage others, inspire others. I'm always happy to. Awesome. 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 Okay, so we'll, we'll just jump right into it. Um, first question I like to ask the guests is, like, who is Juan Fernandez? Uh, if, if you just want to give a quick overview of yourself, you know, nothing specific, but things that you consider important to who you are, just so the audience can get to know you a little bit. Sure. Yeah. I'm, so I'm originally from Argentina, um, grew up in Costa Rica, though, and now I live in the U.S. So I, I got a four-year degree in uh, Mount Vernon, Ohio, got a scholarship after high school to do that, um, ended up going back home and then married a um, a girl from Michigan. So here we are uh, about 12 years later, four kids later. So we've lived in a few different places and my career has been a little bit all over the place, but yeah, I'm, you know, I'm, I love being a dad. I I've always communications has always been my passion. I love like acting and writing, you know, anything with media and communications. And I love sports. I play soccer quite a bit in uh, the Grand Lap Grand Rapids uh, champions league. I don't know if you've heard, it's like a okay. community league that started a few years back. It's really cool. And yeah, do a little bit of everything. So very active. Awesome. And, yeah. Awesome. So I, you mentioned acting a little bit and I, I always love, I find a lot of people in, in this side of things have a crossover with, with acting, um, mm-hmm. in the communications world. Did you, did you do any acting or you just, you I've like just like school plays, okay, and yeah, college, yeah, uh, church plays, yeah, all, all kinds of things like that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, awesome, awesome. <laughs> and uh, awesome. my most famous role was a, uh, um, a, a play that a, a classmate of mine in college wrote called "The Vampire Hunters of the Caribbean." It was a comedy, <laughs> and uh, I was a, a Hispanic vampire. Because before we got really smart about race and all this stuff, they thought it was funny to have the Latino guy make a really heavy Latino accent. 
as as yeah so this was you can tell 15 16 years ago now so everybody would be think? like that's not the right thing to ask the hispanic and the club yeah but back then it wasn't as big a deal so i gladly did it it was fun <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so if you just want to walk through, I mean, you said your career has been a little all over the place. I I, I noticed on your your list of descript or positions on LinkedIn that you know that it has been. Um, if you could just talk to like your journey in that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, so I I knew going into college that I liked communications, and so I went after that as my degree. Um, got a four year degree in communications, but then when I actually got to college, I realized I really liked everything. So at the time, my school offered a general communications, which is more like corporate communications, and then a graphic design um, focus, uh, and then a radio broadcasting focus. And so I actually tested out of a Spanish minor when I first got there. So when I started my freshman year, I was a sophomore. And so it relieved me of having to pursue a minor. And so what I did is I started just taking every class within the communications department and I graduated where I had fulfilled all the credits for all three tracks of the communications program. So I could have declared my final major as design or radio broadcasting or general. Oh, wow. Um, and so, and I really did it because I loved it. I honestly just love all of it. So ever since college, I've always done freelance design, web, gotten really into web design, all kinds of stuff like that. Um, but basically my career is I, volunteered for a little while right after college in my home country of Argentina doing some like media communications type stuff for for our church um, kind of at a international level and then from there I worked at a um, kind of like a leadership recruitment training uh, organization also a nonprofit in Argentina then I went back to Costa Rica where my parents and my brother live and there I it was a really weird story but I got to the airport and uh, I, somebody from my high school recognized me. And then two days later, I got a phone call from my high school saying, would you come in and sub? Because we have a teacher that's out. And um, I get to the airport in Costa Rica and somebody from my high school recognizes me. And a couple of days later, I had a call asking me if I would sub. Well, I didn't have a job in Costa Rica yet. So I, I ended up subbing and teaching like US history and stuff like that. Uh, subbing a couple of weeks turned into the rest of the semester. And then I ended up teaching high school social studies for two years, completely random. And then, but it was, you know, it was meant to be, that's where I met my wife who came down to Costa Rica to student teach. Um, so then I, I got more serious and I was like, all right, I got to follow like a career. So I got into project management, worked for Citibank uh, through an outsourcing firm. Uh, and then after that, we wanted to move to the U.S. And I was a lay pastor at my church and I was looking for what to do in the U.S. Um, and we ended up I ended up taking a job as an associate pastor. And so I did that at two different churches here in the U.S. Uh, from there, I went back into nonprofit, worked at two different smaller nonprofits, one in Washington and one in, in Michigan. And then from there, I went to for profit at HarperCollins Christian Publishing, which is the largest Christian publisher in the world. So for them, I managed all of the Spanish brands, uh, specifically as it came to Bibles and academic products, which is like 65% of their, of their revenue. And for that, it's, it, it's marketing, but it's really a little bit like you're doing publicity. I mean, everything, because it's a small team, right? Right. right. Uh, but it was really cool, like international experience. And then I was kind of moving up. I had recently been promoted and then this job popped up and my heart's always been with nonprofit. And 
when I read it, it was like, you know, they were looking for somebody with international experience, uh, someone with like church experience and marketing and communications and fundraising. And it was like, everything was like, it was like somebody wrote a job description for my background. And, you know, I was a, a senior manager at the time. I, it was a pretty big jump to go from that to being a vice president, but I applied and about three months later got the job. And so, yeah, here we are. And it's been the most amazing, like fulfilling two years of my life. Um, our team grew from about 14 individuals when I started to almost 30. Now uh, we've expanded a lot of the work that we do um, at, at Bethany with marketing and communications. And uh, yeah, it's, it's lots of fun. So I always tell people like, you know, just follow that heart and that passion and the opportunities, the doors that open, because you never know how that's going to be used down the road um, in, a, in a job that might really fulfill all those different passions that you have. Because there are as many jobs out there as you can imagine. Like there's a job for you that really brings all your passions together. And at least that's been my story, you know? Hmm. Yeah. Okay. So if you could, if you could um, speak to a little bit, how, how those passions are, are met in your role now and, and connect them to like, so like the tactical things you do or, or the day to day, you know, like what, what do you do now that really, you know, lights your fire, I guess you'd say. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, basically our, the marketing team, marketing and communications team at Bethany, um, we are responsible for um, basically the brand. So who is Bethany? Uh, Bethany historically has been known as an adoption agency. But we are much, much more than that. We're actually in 32 states. We we still do adoption, but we do a lot of foster care. Uh, we do a lot of work with refugees and immigrants. Um, you know, you heard about the border crisis. So when those kids come across the border, one of the things we created is a basically foster care for unaccompanied children. Mm -hmm. And so that's a much better place for for kids to be in families than you know to be in a shelter with 10,000 kids. Um, and so we do a lot of work. We we work overseas as well. And so. Um, our marketing team specifically helps build brand awareness about that. And so we have campaigns uh, for fundraising. So people that want to give to support those programs, but also um, recruitment, right? So we need families who want to do foster care. So we do a lot of recruitment campaigns and um, we support every branch that Bethany has in those 30 plus states uh, across the country. So every branch has um, a marketing representative you know, that's working with them to make sure they're meeting their objectives. So if your branch has five different programs that they do to serve the community, we're working with them to make sure that we're meeting those needs that they have from fundraising perspective, from a recruitment perspective, uh, materials. So how do they explain the program to the community? And then we also are involved with all the partnerships, right? So when we have, um, especially at the national level, you know, when we uh, work with influencers, you know, that is a, a mix of marketing strategy with public relations and media interviews. Uh, we do have a separate uh, PR team that is more focused on media and um, advocacy and government affairs. But we work, I mean, it's, we're completely intertwined. Like we work together, you know, every time we write an op-ed or an article, you know, marketing typically writes the majority of those, I would say. Uh, but we work side by side, you know, whether that comes out in, in the name of a senior VP or the CEO, you know, we're always, our team marketing communications is doing the writing is doing all that. So for me personally, you know, I could never decide what part of communications was my favorite. Um, I love marketing strategy. I love video production. I love writing. I, I mean, all of it. And so in my role, 
my team gets to do all of that. And so basically I get, I'm like a, a, a kid at the toy store. I get to like play. And, you know, like two weeks ago, I was out filming with Kirk Cousins who's one of our supporters and influencers. Uh, a few, about a month ago, I was out in uh, California meeting with Francis Chan, who's an influencer that, that works with us. Um, but I get to, you know, I, I get to do all kinds of things. You know, I get involved in so many aspects of communications, which is a lot of fun uh, for me and individually and my passions. Wow. That's awesome. Uh, I mean, and those people who know Francis Chan, that's, that's a big deal. That's cool. That's awesome. <laughs> um, okay. So your um, current position is, is obviously a lot of in-house work um, and you have a team within Bethany. Uh, do you, and, but you've done some freelance, some agency stuff. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Could you, could you compare and contrast those as far as your, your, I mean, what it's actually like, but also your personal take on it and, and what you, what you've preferred, what you've, you know, vibed with here and not like you, you know? Yeah. I mean, and so to speak a little bit to my non-Bethany work. Um, so I've, when I was a pastor, especially I needed like extra income, right. To, to make ends meet. And I always continued developing clients as, as a freelancer, it started heavily with design. Um, but then it, as I started getting more and more experience and people were asking me to like put together like marketing campaigns or digital marketing for them. Um, and so basically that just kept growing. I got to the point where I could have maybe looked into going full-time and just doing that, but it's super scary. <laughs> um, you know, I had, I think at that time I had like two kids with a third on the way and it was scary. And so I I've always kind of kept, all right, let's have a full-time job insurance, all that. And then I can grow this on the side. So then as my business grew, I started outsourcing some of the work to trusted designers, friends, um, and then as I kept growing in my career with the job at HarperCollins and then now at Bethany, I honestly don't have the time to do all that extra work. So what I did is I, I actually partnered with a friend of mine who founded a marketing communications agency in Ecuador. Um, so they do work internationally for the Spanish speaking world, a few clients in English, but mainly Spanish. And, uh, and so basically what I do is I'm a partner and I'm a, a marketing strategist. So I'm able to bring in clients. I've basically handed off the clients that I used to have when, you know, that, you know how that works. Like you just get emails every so many months. Hey, I need this thing done. And I'm like, I don't really want to do it, <laughs> you know, but delegate, I would delegate. love to, yeah, but I would like yeah. to dream with you and help you with the strategy yes. for it and then kind of guide a team to do it. And so uh, with um, Enclave, which is Enclave in Spanish, uh, our company in Ecuador, we have, you know, a designer, a writer, and just a full marketing agency there. Um, so, so that's what I do now. I basically just try to connect people to, to our business. And I try to lend my expertise as a consultant and, and strategist for it. Um, honestly, to me, I'm a very mission driven person. And I'm also a, I'm not going to call myself a Renaissance man, because that's just ridiculous. But I do have a lot of interests, right? And so I'm someone who, if I'm doing just one thing, I get really bored. So for me, it's always been a great thing to be able to have my one thing, my full-time job. Like I love what I do at Bethany. I love the mission, you know, that at the end of the day, what I do literally saves the lives of children, which is amazing, right? Mm -hmm. um, the work that we do gets kids out of foster care and back with their families or gets a kid that can't go back to their family to find a family that, that will embrace them and, and help them love and uh, grow up in a loving environment. So that to me, that's like my true North. Like I love that. 
but I love having like these random projects that come up and, you know, I do a lot of work with um, the Kent district library. So like, if you see their, their summer wonder book, that it's like their summer activities for kids, our company translates that every year. And so I get to kind of edit and proof and do all that. And, you know, it's not a lot of hours for me, but I get to be involved in my community through other projects and kind of have the pulse of like what's going on. And so, so it's really fun to do both. I think everybody's different. Um, the, the freelancing, having your own business type thing gives you a ton of flexibility, but it's hard work, you know, to, to develop a, a portfolio of clients. It's hard to know, you know, what do you charge for things? It's, it's tempting to charge people just based on what you think they can pay, you know, that I think a lot of people do that. I, we, we don't like, we, we know what our costs are and we, we try to be very uh, truthful and ethical about that. But, um, but I think it's, it's different for every person. I, I, for one, just enjoy the variety of doing a whole lot of different things. And if you can go back a little bit, you said, you said um, your work with the Kent district library gets, gets you in the pulse of things. And that's, that's a question I had for you as, as, in a position as high up, you could say, as you are at Bethany, yeah. um, and you obviously serve a lot of communities. How do you, how do you, is, is that a way you stay in touch with the community or like, like, how do you, you speak to a lot of different target markets, target people, um, and you help even different people. So, you know, how, do, how do you keep your hands in that while also managing it and not getting in the nitty gritty of all of it? I don't know. I don't think I or anyone else does a good job at really doing that. Right. Um, so I'm a, I'm an advocate for a healthy work-life balance and I make sure that that's, that's a, a primary thing that I drive with, with my team. You know, um, the way I look at it is if you're not healthy and fulfilled as an individual, you're not going to be healthy and fulfilled as an employee, which means that your work is not going to be as good as it can be. So while it used to be that we would think all we care about is, you know, the, the eight hours a day that you work punch in and out and what, how much are you producing? And we were just looking at as, as corporate leaders, that kind of like that output, I want to look at the whole person. Like, is this person doing okay? Is there something going on at home? You know, now sometimes it's not in my business, right. But I want to make sure that I have a, uh, an environment, a culture that is flexible enough and supportive enough that they know that we have their back when something goes wrong and that that's not another stressor for them in their lives. Um, so I think, you know, it's, it's part of being a healthy individual and having a healthy balance between work and, and home to be plugged into your community, to get to go to community events and things like that. So, you know, I encourage, you know, my, my team, you know, we try to do stuff together. Um, as much as we can outside of work hours, you know, uh, sometimes even during work hours, if, if it's appropriate, um, and to be uh, connected to the community, we try to, um, one thing that is like super, super important to me is supporting uh, local business, but even more importantly, uh, minority owned businesses. And so we're always looking for, uh, you know, for doing something in Grand Rapids, but also in other locations, like, can we hire a minority vendor or a minority company for this. We just did a, um, a video shoot here in Grand Rapids and our, our, um, our, our MC, our host for the video series is one of our black staff. And, uh, you know, we, instead of just giving her like a stipend for clothing and stuff, like we connected with a local black owned boutique to get her outfitted for the video shot. And, and, you know, we had, um, 
uh, a black uh, uh, hairstylist come in and do things. So like we're, I'm just always really aware of like, how do we connect with those local businesses, with those minority owned businesses and kind of stay in connected with the community. But yeah, freelancing, if you're a marketer, designer, PR person, freelancing, you know, volunteering, connecting with local boards, serving in local boards and things like that is, I would recommend, you know, that's a huge way to be connected uh, to the local community. Mm. And would you say that's connected at all? I mean, maybe it's not, but um, obviously speaking to all these different target markets and managing different, different um, areas of Bethany, does your voice ever have to change? And if it, if it does, when you do that, um, when you're changing your voice to target different people, is that, has that been difficult for you? Um, obviously you do things in Spanish and English as that its own ball game. Like yeah. how, how does that play out for you? Uh, for me, it's, it's second nature now because I've done it for so long to just have different clients and have to think, you know, I've helped companies develop their brand voice and style. And so it's, yeah, it's kind of second nature, but um, when it comes to your brand voice, I think there's always a tension between, you know, who you're speaking to and also staying true to who you are. Um, so that's something that it doesn't matter if you're one year into a communications career or, or 50, like you're always going to have those conversations of like, okay, is this, is this right? Is this on brand? Is this right? Um, so, so yeah, I think, I think, you know, we, we do that a lot. Um, we, as a marketing team, communications team, we have several personas that we speak to when we create uh, campaigns and pieces. And so we, we try to keep that in mind. We, we think about um, vocabulary that we use, you know, it's, it's different depending on who, you know, if we're, if we're writing a, um, or editing a, a grant for a foundation or a report that we're creating uh, for a foundation, that's different language and a different audience, you know, than if we're writing a um, a brochure explaining our our services to to someone someone who might need support because they're a drug addict, right? Like th those are different audiences, and we make sure that we, while staying true to our voice, um, we change the way that we talk about it. And and it's it's funny, and I think every marketer is going to run into this at some point. You know, in our case, in nonprofit, we get to be we get the blessing to be surrounded by literal experts, right? Like the people that work at Bethany especially the ones that are putting these programs together, they're getting the calls from the big foundations asking them for their input because they are the national experts on these issues. And so they tend to talk at a very high level and they, we, we call them uh, social workeries terms, right? So it's, it's that kind of terms. And we, we need to work with them to help them understand that Yes, this might not be the term you want to use, but if we use the term that you are suggesting, while more accurate, it's also not going to be understood by the audience, right? Um, so that's always a fun, sometimes not so fun uh, process to to kind of find a, a common ground because trust me, it's we never win, right? Like <laughs> the marketing team never gets just decides. It's always a a conversation and figuring out, okay, what 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 can you live with, right? Um, and what can, what can we live with when it comes to the marketing campaign to make sure that, um, people are, you know, we're responding a, a, a good example of that is, is uh, keywords, right? So let's say you're building a landing page on your website or writing an article and you're trying to optimize the SEO so that you get more traffic. Well, the technical term for what you're writing about and what you want to generate traffic for might not be the way that people search for that, right? 
So for example, uh, we might write an article about um, how to help uh, unaccompanied children. Well, people might not search for unaccompanied children in Google. They might search for kids from the border, right? Um, or other, other search terms. And so we're always trying to figure out, okay, how do we, you know, what's the difference between the term that the Office of Refugee Resettlement wants us to use for this category of, of migrant and the term that a family in Texas or wherever might be Googling to find out how they can help a kid that's coming into the country without their parents. Um, so that's always a, a, an interesting equation that we have to figure out uh, to get the most traffic, the most eyeballs on the, on the things that we do while honoring the, the experts that we have to work with. Right. And I've run into that in my internship a little bit too, where it's, it's like, you want, you want to use the correct, the kind, the, the up-to-date term. Um, but, but the people Googling it, that does not matter. That might not matter to them or they don't even know. Um, and so, and so they're just looking for help that they need in these areas. And it's like, you know, is putting that correct term actually helpful to them. Um, right. It's, it's a hard balance. That's yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's why to me, you know, it's, it's really important that we look at the data. Um, and so, we, we have a um, SEO tool that we can look up any keyword and we can tell you how many searches there are nationally or in a specific region of the country for that keyword in any given month. Um, and so that using, you know, meeting with the expert that doesn't want you to use this other term and saying, right, but the term you want us to use has 10 monthly searches and the term we want to use has 500. So we're going to go with our term because that's actually going to get the help to the people and educate the people. Um, and we can still list in the article, you know, like the technical term, or we can explain what the, the official vocabulary right. should be. Um, but so if you go to the data and you show people the search volumes and, and explain to them, you know, why you need to use this term, um, then it's much easier when it's just a matter of preference. That's when people's walls go up and they get really defensive and they're like, you just want to, you know, be Mr. Big Marketer and tell me what word I should use. I don't believe you. I want to use my word and let's honor them, right? Because they're the experts ultimately, like we're here to help frame the narrative and and give them better language to to get more eyeballs on, on what they're doing. Yeah. And it's funny. It's a trend. I, I was actually just meeting with a, a guy earlier today about um, strategic thinking and, and data-driven thinking and communications, because we, all, a lot of the communication professionals are people who are excited and animated and just want to put preferences and opinions right. into things, but it's like, if, if things are not backed by data, it's hard to show to anyone what you're doing is important. And it's, it's hard to actually do important things. Um, yeah, yeah, that's great. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so if I can ask uh, nonprofit work, I think, I think there's a, there's some stigma around it being a very tiring career and uh, people, a lot of people look up to people who work in nonprofit, but they're like, I would never do that. That sounds like exhausting and not for me. Um, have you, have you found that to be true? Um, is that true? Do you, do you combat that in a specific way or how, how's that play out? I think the, it depends on how you're energized. Like each person is energized by different things. You know, I'm, I'm energized by variety and I'm energized by mission. So that's why this is a great job for me. Cause I love the mission and I get to do a lot of different things, but some people can be energized by routine and predictability and that's okay. Right. And so there are nonprofits that can be a great fit for that. Um, and, 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 you know, better, at least better than Bethany, I would think. Um, 
you know, we, we joke around, like we have at least one crisis every year, like some, something is always happening that impacts our work and we have to respond to it. And and marketing is the first team that has to drop everything and focus on creating an awareness campaign or a fundraising campaign or or whatever it is. Um, So, yeah, I think I would, I would just say, think of, you know, what energizes you. And if, if you want to work in nonprofit, then hopefully you're, you're energized by mission and you can get up in the morning knowing that at the end of the day, you know, that, that that's kind of how I felt when I worked at HarperCollins. I, <laughs> and it was a Christian publisher. Yes. But, um, it's, it's still owned by stockholders and whatnot. And I, you know, at one point I was like, well, at the end of the day, what did I do today? And I, sometimes I got in the dark side and I was thinking, ah, I just made some stockholders, some money. I held their stock go up, you know? Yeah. Um, of course, I try to force myself to think I helped some wonderful people get some wonderful resources to make their life better, right? So that's what I should have. Um, but with Bethany, you know, I in nonprofit, it's a lot easier to find that missional connection with the work that you do. Um, and yes, I my experience, especially in small nonprofit, I mean, the last <laughs> the last small nonprofit I worked at, I was the graphic designer, the fundraiser. The IT guy, I mean, I, <laughs> I like had that. That's what I've heard. Every yeah. Role. yeah. So, yeah. but hey, again, I'm energized by diversity. So that was fun to me. I even, so my last small nonprofit was Baxter Community Center here in Grand Rapids. And some days I would get called to interpret for patients at the clinic because um, we, we had one bilingual staff, but if they were out and somebody came that only spoke Spanish, I would come in and I would translate for the Spanish speaking patient. And I love that right? Like I looked, I, those days just filled me with energy. So nonprofit has that. And I think it can be a very fulfilling line of work, uh, for those that are looking for that. Well, thank you for saying all that. That's yeah, that's super helpful. Uh, so, I mean, I don't want to take up all your day here, but as, as we wrap up, um, for you, what I just summarize this and you've mentioned it, you've touched on it a little bit, but is communications a passion or a career or do you, how do how do you see that? You can, you can combine it however you want. I just, I leave that question for you to. Yeah. To me, communications has always been a passion. And so, you know, like I remember in, in high school being a senior and one day we were just, we're in class together. So this is a small Christian school that I went to in Costa Rica. So it's a class of like, I don't know, 25 people and we're all in the classroom and we just have some downtime. We're talking and and we're all kind of sharing our dreams and visions for the future. And, and so then I just randomly went into like this five minute speech as I often can about our future and how our lives will cross and the difference we'll make in the world. And like, there were like people crying and like people like, why didn't we write that down? That needs to be in a, for our graduation speech. And like, and so I've always had those moments. Like, it's just, it's, it's, I'm a, just a natural communicator. My wife always makes fun of me because I give way too much detail when I tell a story. And so to me, it's a passion, right? And so it comes easily. Like I'm, I'm always, you know, I'll watch a show on TV and I'll be thinking, eh, I would have, I would have told that differently. I would, I would have picked this angle to tell this story. You know, I don't know. I don't know about that. Um, so yeah, so it's definitely, to me, it's something that's, that's born in me. And, you know, I would say, you know, when you're growing up, they always tell you like, you know, pick something you love and you'll never work a day in your life. Well, there's, there's truth to that. There's also the truth that a career with, 
you know, th that you can find a job and that you can be compensated fairly for it. Um, that's important too, because ultimately it allows you to, to do certain things in life and, and, um, and help others. And, you know, so, so money is important. A career is important. Um, but if you can be lucky enough to merge the two and do something that you really love in, in an area that, um, that is, um, well compensated and you can move up, um, I would definitely say, go that route. And then the other thing I would say is don't ever, don't be afraid to switch jobs. You know, like I've switched jobs many times in my career and it's always been a good decision. Um, I could have stayed at any number of jobs that I had and probably moved up more slowly in my career. But, um, a lot of times you're, you know, you're more appreciated by someone else that's looking for your profile than being, you know, in one place. Um, and that's why it's, so important to, for companies to value the staff that they have and to show a, a path for career development, especially when you have those staff that are passionate about the work and who don't want to leave, right? Like they just want to keep moving up in their career. And so creating opportunities is, is super important. I, I love hearing guests different perspectives on that because everyone's just got a slightly different take, but yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. Last thing, um, any, anything we, we missed that you were hoping we'd cover, um, maybe a little brag moment that you're like, Hey, I did this one time and it was really cool. Um, or like a last little bit of advice for students. Yeah, I would say, I mean, everything that you do, give it your best. Um, and you never know when it will come back and be helpful. And I want to give one example for that. Um, when I was a youth pastor, I had a bunch of teens in my youth group that were super passionate about music, but because they were minors, they couldn't play at any of the bars. And basically there was no good venue for them to perform their talent in front of a group of people. So I decided to create a music festival, not only for my teens, but for all young musicians in town. Um, and so the problem that I had is I had no money. <laughs> and so I had no way to get like the equipment or anything. Right. And so I started thinking, okay, what do I need to do to like to make this feel legitimate, right? To like local businesses and stuff. Cause I couldn't promise much, right? I was some youth pastor in town. And so I walked into guitar center and I talked to the manager and I just started having conversations. His name's Aaron. And, um, I said, Hey, can you sponsor this? Like, no, I can't. And then we kept talking and talking. Well, finally I got him to lend me some equipment, right? So I had to literally put it on my credit card. And if it broke, it was on me, I had to buy it. So he lent me equipment, but that also meant that they were a sponsor of the event. So then what I did is I started going around town and saying to businesses, Hey, do you want to be a sponsor of this guitar center is our main sponsor. And then they were like, Oh, sure. I want my name next to guitar center's logo. And so I started just going around town and I got a local recording studio to record, uh, to, to, um, donate a full day of, of, um, studio recording and production for the winning band. And we got like just a bunch, like a skate shop to donate, like all kinds of, like by the end of it, we had like 30 sponsors and all kinds of stuff. Um, and you think, all right, that's just some youth pastor trying to be clever and doing something. Well, the, the event actually ended up growing by, by the time I left the church, um, the last one, we had more than 500 people attend, like like 12 wow. bands. Wow. Yeah, it was really cool. Yeah. And um, we got, yeah, we had like inflatables and volleyball going on. It was like all sorts of things, like a full day festival. Um, but then later in my career, that's a lesson that I learned. 
And I realized if you can just get that one big name attached to something, everything else just falls into place. And it's a strategy that I've used in marketing over and over and over again. So if you can just figure out like one way to attach some, some person that's known, some big name, some big logo to your thing, then you can leverage that into all kinds of different things. So even if the thing that you're leveraging is not really that super awesome as people think it is, like Guitar Center literally gave us nothing, just lent me some equipment that if I broke, I had to pay for. But that allowed me to get all these other real sponsors on board. Um, and so if I would have half-assed it and just you whatever, you know, just just let's just do this in our in our youth group room and just invite three bands and whatever, yeah, it would have been fine. I wouldn't have really gotten anything for the rest of my life. But because I went all out and I did it passionately, I learned a lesson and I've literally brought up that example in job interviews when I talk about my resiliency and my creativity. Um, and I can give you like a hundred examples like that of times where like I didn't have to, but I went above and beyond and then it paid out later in my career in, in having learned from that experience. So I, I absolutely recommend go all out, make it your best, go above and beyond. When I get resumes for positions at Bethany, sometimes we'll have a postings that we get 150 resumes. If your resume is in word, right. And the spacing's off and you have spelling, like, I'm not even like, why would I care to spend more than 10 seconds of my time? If you're not putting the time yourself to get this job. And so in everything that you do, you know, do it to your, the best of your ability, spend the time. Um, and I think it'll, pay, it'll always pay off in your career. Even if you can't see it right now, it'll pay off in the future. It's a good word right there. That's awesome. <laughs> thank you. Um, well, Juan, thank you so much for being on today. Really, really appreciate it. Uh, and um, I'll drop, I'll drop all your info below and, and on our social media so people can look you up and check you out a little bit, but yeah, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you very much. There you have it. Like I said, I'm going to drop Juan's social media down below as well as the website for Bethany Christian Services. Please give those a look over. I, I wish you could have been in this virtual meeting with us. Juan has so much to share and so much wisdom. And you could tell he was just getting to the brink of it. Uh, but but he's an awesome guy so much to learn from him so so you know i hope i hope there's something you could take from this and and you know evaluate as we're all looking at what what do we want our career to be what what can we learn as students i think there's a lot you can take out of this episode so with that said we'll see you next time on pr hangover <laughs>